Genesis chapter 39. You're going to see on the board, I think it's 39, 1 through 41, 46. We will not be going verse by verse. So don't think that, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss the football game today because there's no way we're going to do two chapters in Genesis. We're not, okay? Um, again, we're doing the life of Joseph. And so we cannot do the life of Joseph verse by verse. We could, but I only have three weeks up here. So that's just not going to work. So what we're doing is we're just giving a brief overview and hitting the highlight points of his life. And that's, that's what we're doing. And we did started that last week. For those of that you were not here, we started last week off. And we just talked about Joseph and just the family dynamics that he had. And coming from a, a family that was pretty messed up. I know that a lot of us try to think that our families are the most messed up family. And every family is messed up, okay? We all have issues within our family, but it's our family. And so, but Joseph's family was really messed up. I mean, when you come from a family of, of a dad who just has a history of the conniving and things that he had done, knowing ultimately, again, he had a moment with the Lord and, and God saying, look, I'm going to use you, okay? I'm going to use you. And if you'd seen him before that point, Israel, you would be shocked that that's what he actually said, that that was the man that he was going to use. But God, God looked past that. God knew what he could do in, through him. And so now you've got Joseph, who's now born in this household. His father continues to love on him. His father continues to pour out his adoration on him because he's the son of, of his age. So he continues to give him a, a tunic of many colors. And so he now, all of his brothers now hate him. Okay, he's got brothers that just can't stand to be around him. Why? Because Joseph is the chosen child. We all thought if we had siblings, we all thought that our brother or sister was more loved by the, oh, you love them more than you love me. I mean, I can remember saying that to my parents, um, and, and I'm sure my sister said it to them as well. But I think every kid says that. Why? Because there's just a, a selfishness within you. Well, Joseph, he really was favored. His brothers didn't like him for a reason because everything that they did, they knew that everything that they did didn't matter because Joseph was still the one that, that his dad loved the most. And he would continue to pour his love upon him and pour his love upon him. And again, adding color to the, the scriptures of what we looked at, again, it's not a character in the Bible. These are real people. And these are real struggles that they have. And if you looked at Joseph at this time, he was about 17 years old. So he's not a little 5 or 10-year-old kid. That's getting pushed around by his big brothers. And his big brothers are not 17 or 18. His big brothers are in their 20s and maybe their 30s. So again, you've got all these dynamics that you don't just pick up on unless you slow down and really take a look at it. And so you've got grown adults that are looking at a kid who's 17. He's still a kid at that point. And then that one day they say, hey, look, we're, we're going to kill this kid. You know, I'm tired of it. And see what his dreams are going to be like at this point. You know, and then they throw him in the, in the cavern to die. And then they say, hey, well, you know what? We're not going to get anything out of them. Let's sell them. Okay, let's sell them and and sell them down to these guys that are going to head down to Egypt and we'll make a little money off of the deal. And we don't have to worry about having that blood on our hands. That would just be terrible. Instead, let's sell our brother, our own family, and send him down to Egypt. And then and then let's see really what's going to happen at that point. And I think, again, as we look at this, I don't know where you're at in your life. And I mentioned that this last week is... You know, again, as we look at Joseph, the legacy that Joseph had is that he looked at this and it could have been a point where it was, bam, that was it. Nothing's going to change in my life. I've now, I've, I've come into a family. My family hates me. Now they, they're going to kill me. And that wasn't good enough. Now they've even sold me. Lord, where are you at? And I said last week too, that maybe at this point, maybe you guys feel the same way. Maybe you feel like, man, I, I've just been, I've been left out to die. Or maybe I've been sold into slavery and I feel like I'm being sent down to Egypt right now in my life. I feel like God's not around me. God made a, a plan and a promise to me. And here I am and I'm in a little cage and I'm heading down and I've been sold. 
And maybe that's you today. Maybe it was you last week. And I asked you guys last week, too, to be thinking about what is, what is it going to be your legacy? What are you going to leave for the next generation to come behind you? And these are all real questions that we can ask. I don't care what age that you are in this room. You can leave a legacy different today than you were going to leave t- yesterday. But where are you at? You know, if you followed the flow chart of, dire- of decisions that you can make in your life and in a computer program, we can kind of say, oh, delete that. Let's go back up here. In life, you can't do that. Well, you know, we all have to make decisions every day. And sometimes we make the wrong decision and now we're on a different path. Does that mean that God's not part of that path? Absolutely not. God made a promise to you. God made a plan for you. God still wants the very best for you in your life. Ultimately, what has to happen is you've got to make sure that you're in, in line and in tune with what God wants for you. It means that you have to be humble and you have to come before him and you have to ask for forgiveness if it's something that you have done. But if you've done nothing wrong and you're walking perfectly and these are just influences that are coming from the outside, then know that God still has a plan for your life and God is using this for his glory. And so many times it's hard for us to get past that because I'm looking at the situation that I'm in right now. And maybe you are in that crate and you're heading down to Egypt. Is it your sin that has led you down there? If it is, again, like I said, you need to go backwards. You need to ask for, for repentance and then see what the Lord is going to do as far as that direction that now that you're on. But if you have not, then you know what? God knows what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. But I know that I'm on the path that God wants me to be at. I don't want to be in this crate. But you know what? That's where God has put me at this moment. That's where I'm going to be at. And that's where we, had, we start off here in, in Genesis chapter 39. We're only going to read the first two verses here. So now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him and from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And so he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. A couple of things that we need to look at first quickly as you see this is he's sold to Potiphar. And we kind of knew that already from last time that we were together. But, but Potiphar, as we can see, he's a high ranking official. He's a high-ranking officer. He could have been either part of the CIA at the time or the FBI or the Secret Service. I mean, this is kind of Potiphar, so he's kind of a big deal down in Egypt. He's not just a, a guy who's an officer, you know, like a, some random person that's got some different, you know, office over on the side of one of the, the pyramids down there. He, he's a pretty big dude within Egypt, okay? And this is important to remember because all this is going to continue to align with where Joseph's life is going to continue, so he's a wealthy man because he's obviously he's buying that. And, and pretty soon here, we're going to find out that, that Potiphar is married. Okay, we, we kind of know the story of Joseph's life, so we kind of already know that he's married. But we're going to see that here in a second. But verse 2 is the important part, and I alluded to this last week. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And again, I think that if you have not highlighted, if you're not a highlighter, you should highlight this in your Bible because the Lord is with, put your name in there. The Lord is with you. And again, as I've spent the last five minutes talking about that, that's important for us to remember as we sit there and sometimes as Job crying out to God, where are you? Where are you at, Lord? Why am I in this predicament? But know that the Lord is with you. I mean, that's powerful to remember that. Again, as we looked at the cross during communion, as God sits there and says, look, I am with you. I'm, I'm paying for sins that you are not even born to make yet. I'm dying on a cross because I'm thinking of Kevin at this moment thinking of Steve at this moment. Just two, the two of us are the only ones who have sent it here. So I mean, just that's why I said that. But, but no, it's, it's the Lord looking at ahead of time saying, look, I've got a plan and I understand what I'm doing in this. 
Again, many of us have been sold or we feel that way. But to know that God is with you. And Joseph becomes successful in Potiphar's house. And the Bible states here, quickly as we move through, it says in verse 3 that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper. Now, how did that happen? As you're at work, at your daily day-to-day business, does, does, do people know that the Lord is with you? As they look on the outside... Now, I don't think... We don't have recollection of, of... I don't even see in here where Joseph is praying. They don't have the Bible at this time. I mean, they had stories that they continued to pass down from generation to generation. How is it that he knows that Joseph, that the Lord is with Joseph? Because there's something different about him and the world that he is in. Joseph's different. Joseph does the right thing. Joseph just serves me and doesn't give me gripe. Joseph just does what he's supposed to do. Joseph works the 40 or 80 hours a week that I've asked him to work, and he does it to the best of his ability. I ask you at work, do people know, without you saying anything at all, that you're a Christian and that you serve the Lord? Do you give them the best 40 hours that you can give them? I haven't always done that in my life because I'm selfish, you know, or I didn't feel good that day or I didn't like my boss that I had. That was wrong, wasn't it? I'm supposed to work as if I'm working unto the Lord. And so wherever job that you're at, you're not working for that person. You're working for God. And as you go into Publix or wherever that you work at, or Walmart or, or wherever that you're working, Trinity Motors, you know, you're supposed to go in there. Even I, I'm supposed to go in there and work to the very best that I can because I'm not working for that. I'm working so that people can see that there's something different within me. And Potiphar saw that there was something different within Joseph. Verse 4 says, Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and put Joseph in charge of all of his house. Now, obviously, if he looked at this, a good businessman, he looks at it and goes, dude, whatever Joseph is doing, man, my house is, is prospering. This has been the greatest purchase I've ever made. I, I got whatever he, so do, whatever he has and whatever he wants to work on, Joseph, just go handle it. I trust you because I know that God is with you, whoever this God is. I know I'm supposed to look at Pharaoh that way, but man, something's different about you. And verse 5 says, and because of this, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. Not because of Potiphar, not because of anything that Potiphar was doing or how he was treating Joseph. It was because of Joseph that he was, he was blessing the household. He left everything that he owned outside of his food in Joseph's command. Everything. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, to sit there and look at this. Here's an Egyptian, I mean, a, 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 a Jewish slave that's coming in, and now he's in control of this entire household. Anything that he says goes within the household because I know that the Lord's hand is upon him. Christian, do you know that you could have an effect on, the, on your master's business and finances? You're, you're the person that you work for, you could have an effect on that. Well, I don't want to bless my, my, my boss. You know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, my boss is a jerk. Okay. But do you think Potiphar was a great person? I mean, we're kind of building Potiphar up right now, but I'm sure Potiphar is a bad guy. You know, you don't get to those kind of positions, especially in that time of the, of the world, and, and to know that he is just a, a great guy and didn't do anything wrong and he didn't kill anybody. I mean, th- this guy was probably a little vicious at the time. But yet, God is still working on Potiphar through Joseph at that point. Let me also remind you, too, that this does not happen overnight. Joseph is in Potiphar's house for probably about 11 years. 11 years. Again, as we look through Scripture sometimes, we, we read a couple 
couple paragraphs and we don't realize that the time frame that's gone. There's times where you can read in the Old Testament and you can turn a page and it's 100 years. I mean, it's just been that quick, you know, and it's taken you two minutes to read that page and 100 years has passed. At this moment, Joseph is persevering wherever he, that he's at and he's been within this house for about 11 years. We know that because Genesis 37.2 says that Joseph is 17. We go down to 41.46 and Pharaoh prom- promotes Joseph at 30. He has been in prison for about two years. So we know roughly that he's about 28 when things are about to go down here. So within 11 years of time. So now you've got Joseph moving into a new area. He only speaks Hebrew, I'm guessing, at this point, correct? You would, you would assume that, right? And so now he's, he, pro- he doesn't speak Hebrew now. He speaks, he's, I'm pretty sure he speaks Egyptian because that's the only way that he can get around. So now he's doing it, the, his master's work. He's taking some side classes after, at, at the end of the night to make sure that he knows how to speak Egyptian. And so he's making the best of the opportunity that he's in. Again, I'm, I, Christian, as I look at you, and if, if you have been sold into slavery, if you're in a place that you didn't want to be at, and you're like, how did I end up here? This is exactly where I didn't want to be. Are you making the best of where that you've been placed at? Are you spending a little extra time if you're in a job that you didn't want, but, man, I really want to be the best that I can, and it would really help me to, if I learned this. Well, are you learning that? To be all that you can possibly be. Again, if I look at this and I'm not working for Potiphar, but I'm working for the Lord, well, then I need to do that. I need to study a little bit extra at night and not watch football or watch whatever, what is the shows, or Dancing with the Stars or, I don't know, what, The Voice or... Whatever y'all watch, HGTV. That's just my personal household conviction right there. So that's, that's pretty much what we watch right there. So the point is, is sometimes as we, we as Christians think that God is going to move and we'll see it immediately. But that's not the promise. God doesn't say that, hey, tomorrow when you wake up, I'll, I'll make you the boss over everything. He doesn't say that at all. It's 11 years that we see him. And Joseph is working hard. And, 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 and it's not so much that. It's the society that we live in at this point that if you know something, five minutes later, it's old news. I mean, because of the way that the Internet works now and Bookface and Pinterest and, 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 and CNN and Fox and all these. I mean, there's, there's updates on your phone. You don't even have to go to the Internet and your phone will automatically tell you if something happened within the world. And if you look at it three minutes later, somebody else has already known about it and told you about it. I mean, it's just the way that we are and the gratification. You know, I joke around a lot of times that, you know, the, my, my parents' generation, you know, it was, they, they worked hard and they got stuff. You know, there was sometimes there's two people working in a household and they saved and they crimped. And then my generation came along and we looked at what our parents had. And so we just put everything on debt and got what they had. Okay. We were still willing to work, you know, but, but that's what, and then some people have said that this generation wants what we had, but they didn't want to work for it. You know, it's, 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 it's a point where we look at it and we're like, well, I, I want what they had, but I don't want to wait to work and, and, and do it all. Well, why? If, if those people had to work really hard, why, why? Well, I don't want to wait. I don't want to have the patience. I don't want to have the self-control. I want an instant gratification of whatever I want. I want it now. Well, That's the opposite of what we see here with Joseph. And another point is that but, but God had a plan for Joseph, but he had to work at it. See, again, God had given him a dream, and I'm sure many times Joseph is sitting there looking at it and remembering the, the conversations that he had with his brothers and going, man, did, God, I'm pretty sure you gave me a dream that they were going to bow down to me, but um, I'm pretty sure when they pulled me out of that pit, I was the one bowing before them. 
And now I'm, I'm sold and, and Potiphar's is, I'm a slave to him. God, did, did you really give me that dream? I mean, do you think, I'm pretty sure Joseph maybe had that, that thought. But, he, but you know what? God said, look, I've given it to you. But sometimes we don't realize that there's work that's involved in it. I mean, there's, there's real sweat that happens at times when you have to go and get something. that God, God may have promised it to you, but, but did, you, did you sweat and, and, and work hard to get to that point? I mean, sometimes we just want to wake up and, well, God, just go and bless me with it. Well, God will bless you with it, but a man will not eat if he does not work. I mean, it's just one of those things, too, where we look at it, and so many times we just want to come along, well, God's going to give it to me. Well, God might, and God can. He's got the economy to do anything that he wants to. But in the meantime, we need to work for it. And that's what we see Joseph doing, studying and working hard and earning a reputation to be that person. And I'm excited to see God move, but, but I need to be an active part in this. Again, Christian, as I've said before, Christianity is it's an action word. Even within the ministry, if you want something, Christianity is an action word. We can't sit on the pews and do nothing. We have to be outgoing. We have to, love is a verb. Love is you actually have to give it to somebody, you know, going back to DC Talk. And, and, and all these things, we have to actively go out and let people know that we love them. We have to go actively out and assist people and bless them and, and do things. It's, it's an action word. Christianity is not a, a noun where we sit and we do nothing. And Well, I'm a Christian. No, you have to actively be out there and doing things. Another point that I want to let you guys know is that Joseph is still a slave. Nothing has changed within Joseph's life. Joseph may still have, he might have a couple extra things that he's been blessed with that he doesn't have to worry about, but Joseph is still at the end of the night, he's still a slave. Joseph just can't walk out the door and go and do whatever he wants to. Joseph still has to answer to Potiphar. And although that he's given the opportunity to be able to do all these things, Joseph is still not not where he wants to be at. Joseph is still a slave. So the first thing that we have is that part there is where we've got <clears throat> Joseph is sold down to Potiphar. The second part is jo- Joseph is imprisoned. Genesis 19 through 23, it says, Now then, when his master heard, let me back up and tell you the story. You guys know the story, okay? You know the story of Joseph being within the house. And it says here also that in verse 6, it states that Joseph was handsome from, in form and appearance. Joseph is handsome and for the only other time that they use that is I think it's in first Samuel 16 12 describing David that he was handsome and form and appearance I deal with this a lot too you know I have a problem and struggle with this so I kind of related here with Joseph and David in this that you know I understand you know but but for him it became a, a real big problem because Potiphar's wife said hey I, I really like him and, and I want to not just be friends with him but I want to lay with him and, and as you look at that, and, you're, and evidently I didn't know this, but, but Egyptian women back in the time were, were known for not being very loyal in their relationships. They're very free in how they handled things, if you guys know what I mean, as we've got younger kids in here. Okay, so they're, they're known to not have a, a, a desire to be pure with their husband. They were known for I never knew that. So for her to have this desire, maybe that's just a cultural thing. But Joseph looks at this and he says, whoa, 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 I, I can't do this. Now, remind you, Joseph is, not, again, he's, what, 27, 28 years old, okay? He's still single, okay? I'm, still, I'm guessing that he's walking a pure walk with the Lord. So I think there are a few hormones that might be going through Joseph's body that's probably going, hey, I, I, I wouldn't mind this. This would be pretty awesome right now. And my body and my flesh, if it were to take over right now, would be like, yes, let's move full steam ahead. I, I'm with you, Potiphar's wife. 
you know, I've had my eye on you as well. But Joseph has a choice here. Joseph's choice is no. Again, going back to last week, just the integrity of Joseph to look at this. And he gives and he tells her flat out why. He says, look, you know, your, your husband has given me control of everything in the house. I mean, I can do what I want here. And he's given me control of everything but you. I'm not allowed to touch you. And that's what Potiphar has told me. I can't do that thing. And he says, so in verse 9, he says, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Again, bringing back in it, not just a lot of times we as Christians like to sit there and, and debate people with worldly with worldly ideas. Well, no, it's not the right thing to do because you know what? You're married and that would just be wrong. And I don't want to do that to him. And then we don't bring up the fact that it's a sin. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, I, well, ultimately, really, I don't care about your husband. But I'll tell you this. It's a sin against God. And I'm not going to do that evil thing against the Lord because, again, I, I don't understand why I'm here. But I, but I know God is real. And I want to have an integrity to God. And many of us look at our, in our lifestyles. You've heard the whole relationship too. Sometimes you hear people are businessmen, businessmen are certain ways on Sunday at church. But then when they get back into the business world, well, that's just the business world. You know, there's a way that you are at church and then there's a way that you are in business. Well, really, that doesn't, that does, that's not how it works. The scriptures are for every day. And if I'm supposed to have integrity, if I'm supposed to be honorable and be a man of my word, that's supposed to incorporate everything within my day. That goes whether it's, it's in that or it goes within your family too. Sometimes we have our families and we feel like we're free to talk to them however we want to. And that's not true as well. You know, the Bible says for me that I'm supposed to, to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to just die and, and, and submit my life to her. And I'm supposed to do whatever that she needs. That's the first thing that's supposed to be there. And so many times you see in relationships where the guy, and I'll just pick on the guys this, this morning because I'm a guy and... Um, but and I don't want to get hit by the women afterwards, but as the guys, you know, so many times you see guys talk to their, their wives, and I'm like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen in the Bible where Jesus talked to somebody like that. I don't see where Jesus was degrading to somebody like that. I don't see where Jesus rose his voice in, in love. and to, When he was on the cross, he didn't say, hey, stupid, you know, this, or, or just, just the words that you hear out of people's mouths. That's not very sacrificial towards your wife there. And again, I'm only speaking from one side and I'm not having the other side. I'll let a woman do that at some point, but not today as we got to move on. But, but how could I do this great evil before God? Because again, he's bringing it back to God. And you'll see this as we continue to move through it of, of just how he continues to bring God up in every conversation. 39, 19 through 23, it says, And now when his master heard these words from his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me. His anger burned. And so Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph charge of all the prisoners who were there in jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So again, as we look at this, I, I, I agree with many of the commentators. I don't think Potiphar completely believed his wife here. I, I, I don't think so. I, think, I don't think his anger burned at Joseph because, again, being that guy, he could have probably just whopped his head off and, and moved on and there's no more Joseph and the story has moved on. 
I think really his anger burned because one, he probably financially is looking at it. I'm, I'm losing out on a great financial asset right now with Joseph. You know, I really appreciate what he's done to my house and I'm prospering and making a lot of money and I miss that. But his, his also the fact that his wife is embarrassing him. Uh, that's really how I look at this. I don't think, I think with the, the amount of control that he had, he could have just whopped him off and got rid of Joseph. But again, the Lord was with him. So God's not going to allow that to happen. So God looks at this and Potiphar probably looking even at the integrity. Go, man, I don't think Joseph would have done that. And I know my wife. I hear all the stories from the servants. Man, uh, man, I'm, I'm just so, but he has to do something. And so he didn't throw him into the normal jail. He probably threw him in this other jail, the king's jail, to where he still had like kind of an oversight on it. Some commentators were saying maybe he was thinking that after a few years, he plucked Joseph back out, you know, and put him back in charge. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. We know that he is in a, the, the, the king's jail and he's in his place that's safe. Safe. He's still in jail. But the important part, again, is that Joseph rises to the occasion again. Joseph, again, looking at his, his point of, of, of where he's at, and now he's, he's almost been killed. He's been, he's been sold into slavery. He's been a slave. Now he's, he's blamed for something that he didn't do. Again, many of you look at your lives and you go, man, I've got the worst. I don't know. Joseph's doing pretty bad here. Joseph's looking at his life and he's like, again, Lord, what have I done? I've done nothing wrong. Lord, I'm even honoring who you are and I'm giving glory to you and yet still here I am again. I rise up, I take 11 years and I really try to do the best that I can and then this woman comes across, I don't even do anything with her and here I am now, I'm in jail. I'm starting all over again. What, 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 what is this? Well, how is this working? I just continue to move down and down and down. But the Lord was with Joseph. And this is the second time in this one chapter alone that we see that statement. Again, you should be taking note of these opportunities because, again, as, as you go through these struggles in your life, you need to be able to come back to these verses and go, but the Lord was with Kevin. I was driving home the other day and my aunt is in the hospital and um, just just tired. You know, I'm just, I've been sick forever, I think, at this point, honestly. And, um, you know, and just work and getting ready for studying and um you know and i just look at it and just just the lord is so faithful he's like kevin i I, i've got this you know just can you just just stay on your course continue to move forward continue to do the things that i've called you to do but but god i'm 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 exhausted i i'm just i'm i'm tired i'm beat you know, and I'm coming home and my boys are anxiously waiting because they're starving to death at 7 o'clock at night, you know, and they're boys. And, um, you know, and, 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 and all I want to do is go to bed and go to sleep. And, but the Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. And you guys have got your own stories as well, too. It's not a pity party for Kevin this morning. It's a, it's a point that all of us have those stories in our life. All of us, again, going back to last week, have made these decisions and, and we're, we're on this path of wherever that we're at. But it's important then to remember again that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. We move on and it's now it's the cup, ba- cup bearer and the baker. Again, this is just a quick overview and trying to hit some of the major points of Joseph's life. Genesis 40, 1 through 8 says, Then it came about that after these things, the cup bearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. 
Pharaoh was furious with the two officials and the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard and in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and and they were in the confinement for some time. And then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt who were confined in a jail both had a dream that same night. Each man his own dream and each dream was its own interpretation. And then Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them. Behold, they were dejected. And he asked the Pharaoh's officials who were with them in the confinement in in his master's house, "Why, why are your faces so sad? And then they said to him, we have had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? So again, a couple things that we see here is, is one is two things is I'd like to, to point out here that verse seven, it says, you know, Joseph asked them, um, why are your faces so sad? Don't you think that's kind of comical? I mean, here you are, you're in jail. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really happy if I'm in jail, first of all. But the important part is that Joseph's still ministering. And I think that, again, it gets back to us within, as you do the personal application of it, remember there's one interpretation but many applications, as our Hendricks book, is that the application that I got out of this is that it's, it's a point of Joseph is still ministering. Joseph could sit there and go, you know what, dude, you're sad? Dude, you, you have no clue what sad is. Let me just tell you the last few years of my life, okay? And he could just run it down, you know? You're here, you probably deserve to be here. Let's be honest, okay? But, but me, and he could just go down. But he doesn't do that. Joseph, taking the moment that he's in, knowing that he has a different relationship with the Lord, different calling, he says, look, I'm sorry. What, what, what is wrong with you? What's going on with you guys? Can I tell you something, too, that is, it's, it's, as I look at Pastor Don, and I'll talk about it, unfortunately, he'll hear it on the tape, but um, this is a man that, that I show much grace to and much appreciation. You know, as you guys have known, the last couple of years have been a little difficult within their lives, Okay. Not to go into too deep, too deep over anything like that, but, um, but, but you guys know Pastor Don. I, I look at him, it's this man that has just the patience of Job. I mean, he will sit there and minister to somebody an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, he will just be dead tired. Things going on in his life, you know? But he knows that there's, there's ministry to be done. And that he will continue to sit there and, and to love and to cherish and to think the right things and to think of high things. I mean, that's, that's, that's a testimony to your pastor. That's a testimony that I try to glean off of him and be able to show more grace to people when I don't want to. When I'm tired and my flesh rises up, it's a point of looking at it and going, well, no, I, I, this is an opportunity to minister and I need to slow down. There's too many times where I'm looking at my own clock and I'm going, gosh, I got to get out of here. Um, this is the verse. And then you're like ready to go, you know, and they're like, well, one more question. You're like, one more question. What are you kidding me? You know, but no, your pastor is like Joseph here. And he sits there and looks at you and goes, well, what is the sadness on your face? And then as many of you guys know, he'll just sit here and he'll talk to you and he'll pray for you and he'll point you back to the word and he'll, he'll bathe you in the words that you know exactly what Jesus would feel like if he was sitting there right now as well of just pouring into you in your life. That's the pastor that you have. And as he takes time away the last couple of years of just having the back and forth and the difficulties that they've had, just, again, the amazing grace that they have had to still continue to do the things that they do. The second thing that I look at here is, is that do not interpretations belong to God. Again, Joseph living in the world. And Egypt, in case you guys don't know that, is in, in the Bible, it's an illustration of the world. 
Okay, so Joseph is now not just in Egypt, he's in the world is basically how it would look at it. And he's sitting there looking at the world and saying, look, you know, it, don't interpretations come from God? Again, not, give, not saying, oh, well, I, can, I can do that. I've got this one. You know, what, what's, your, what's your dream? Let me give it to you. I, I can interpret it in a second. No, it's, it's, don't those come from God? Well, I, I know God. I know the God. Give me that interpretation and I'll be able to handle it for you. Joseph doesn't look at this as an opportunity. He, he, he looks at it as an opportunity to minister. And as you guys know the story here too, he, he listens to both of the, the cupbearers. Is the first one that gives him his story. And he says, hey, look, man, I've got good news for you. You know, you, you are out of here in three days. Isn't that great news? You know, the king's going to restore you back. You're not the bad guy. Everything is good. But hey, can you do me a favor? And he, reads, he tells him 14 and 15, says, Only keep me in mind when it all goes well with you, and, pl- and please do, do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even there I have done nothing wrong that they should have put me into your dungeon. So, so he, and he just, he's not name dropping. He's not sitting there saying, dude, my family did this to me and then went to Potiphar's house and you know Potiphar's wife, right? Well, that's why I'm here, you know? He doesn't go through all that stuff and break it down. He just says, hey, look, this is, can, can you just do me a favor? Man, I'm desperate to get out of here. I don't belong here. You, you know, I, I, I was up there. My family is up there. My dad really wants to see me. I really want to see my dad. And he doesn't lay down this whole thing. He just says, hey, can you just please remember me? I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm here and I shouldn't be here. Can, can you mention me to Pharaoh? I, I know that you're really important to Pharaoh because, you know, you taste everything and, uh, and he's alive because of you, basically. And so but could, could you please do that? He doesn't blame anybody. But he's making a case to the cupbearer to please remember him. Then you guys know also the baker and the baker doesn't get as, as wonderful a story as he does. But he gives glory to God and where he's at. The fourth thing here that I've got is Pharaoh has a dream. You know, I have a dream. Pharaoh has a dream. And at this point, finally, through all that Joseph has done, Pharaoh has a dream, and now it's a point where God's ultimately going to get glorified here. And you guys know the story that, Joseph, that the Pharaoh has, and he has the, the, the story of the, the fat cows coming out and the skinny cows coming out and eat them and the, the stalks and all that kind of stuff. And, and you guys know that story, right? You guys have been to... to, to to the children's ministry before and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's always a story that, that we hear. And Veggie Tales did a great job with it, in case you just want to watch Veggie Tales. But, but so here they are. So he summarized the dream. So through Joseph's talking to Pharaoh, he still mentions God. So he calls him out. And, he's in, 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 in the cupbearer is like, dude, I, Pharaoh, I got a guy. You know, I know somebody who, who can do that. You know, I know the Magi and all these people, they don't know what they're talking about. But I got a guy. You remember when you justifiably put me into prison, you know, those couple days. You remember that? Yeah. Um, I, I, we were down there, you know, and the bad baker guy, he, he and I had this, this dreams. And, and, you know, the baker, he got a bad interpretation because he should have because, you know, he was the one. And then there was me, and, and, and he interpreted per- correctly. And here I am. Three days later, I was by your side where I should have been the whole time. You know, he gives him that story. He said, but I got a guy. What's, what does Pharaoh say? He said, well, well, give me that guy. I need, I, I need somebody to interpret this dream. So what do they do? They go take Joseph. And again, don't think it. And, and if you read the story, again, they have to clean up Joseph. They have to give him new clothes. So again, as you look at Joseph's life, if you put color to the context, Joseph, although he's in jail and although he's the head of the jail, they still have to clean him up. They have to shave him. 
They have to give him new clothes because I'm sure that he's not given a three-piece Armani wardrobe. Okay, he's, he's dressed in prisoner's clothes still. He still can't leave. Although that you might have a few more different things, you're still in prison. And that's where Joseph's coming out. So he's finally remembered. And so Genesis 41 to 38 says, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <laughs> 41 38 says, um, so as he gives this interpretation to, to Joseph, before I go into that, um, he says there, and, and he gives it and says, hey, look, you know, Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen, man. You're going to have seven bad years of, of just, just plentiness, man. We're going to be busting out of the seams as far as our crops and everything else. We, this is going to be the place. But then after that, man, seven years of just, man, you're not even going to remember the seven years of goodness in your life. I mean, it's just going to be absolutely terrible. And, and we're, people are just going to be, it's just going to be awful. But what you should do, okay, and this is what God has told me to tell you, is, is, is that's what's going to happen. But what you should do is kind of maybe find a guy that can maybe take a fifth of everything, you know, and just kind of make a little tithe and start storing up and, and getting ready for that time and take this, this extra overload instead of just squandering it and eating and getting fat. Maybe we should save that. And then that way when the seven years of bad come up, man, we'll just, we'll be fine. We won't even notice the difference. And so then as we move into the next one, it says in verse 38, it says, And then Pharaoh said to his servants, can, can, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, So since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. So let me stop there. First of all, do you realize what they think Pharaoh is? Pharaoh is not the president of Egypt. Okay? Pharaoh is not just the king of Egypt. Pharaoh is a god. That's how they look upon him. So to me, and I look at this and I say, Here, here's, here's Joseph. Everywhere that he goes, everybody starts to realize that whatever's happening in this guy's life, man, God's behind it. And so you've got Egyptians noticing it. Potiphar knows it. The jailers know it. And so now you've got him, this guy that was sold into slavery, okay, who's going to be killed by his family, who probably think that he's dead at this moment or don't even care, who was wrongly accused and put into prison, is, is now actually in front of Pharaoh. He's in front of Pharaoh. This is many, many years later, okay, 13 years or so later. And he, he's standing in front of Pharaoh, the king and the ruler of the entire world basically at the time. And now he has an audience with Pharaoh, and now he's throwing down God bombs all around him, but it's just kind of say, saying, look, God is the one who can give you this interpretation. God has said this. To the point where now Pharaoh, who they think is God, says, well, man, you've got this divine inspiration. God has given you this information. Pharaoh belittling himself to say that that your God knows something that I don't know. Your God has given you this information. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Saying that it's only me that has got a higher ranking than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And so now at this point, you look at Joseph's life, and Joseph's got to be thinking this too. He's like, okay, I'm used to being second in charge. I can do that, okay? Because everywhere I go, I end up being second in charge. I can handle that part. But at some point, do you think that he's waiting for the rug to be pulled out from underneath him? I mean, everywhere that he goes, he continues, you're in charge, you're doing great, you're wonderful, whoop, you're out of here. You've got to go to jail. Oh, you've got to go this place. So here he's in front of Pharaoh, in front of everything that could possibly... He, he's, he's inside and he's, he's looking. And now he, he, he gives the, the interpretation. And Pharaoh looks upon him and says, Look, it's you. I, I want you to be the guy that's in charge of everything. You're the one that's going to save Egypt. 
And I look at you and I give you in charge. Here's, here's my signet ring. Boom, take it. Hey, guys, go march him around the city so everybody knows that this Joseph right here is the guy that's in charge. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? A 17-year-old boy that's sold into slavery only because of a dream that God has given him. And then 13 years later, here he is in front of Pharaoh. Now, I, I look at your lives and I look at my life, and I'm not saying that if you've been sold into to slavery and you're heading down to Egypt and that's where you feel right now that, you know, in, in 11 years you're going to be in front of whoever's president at the time and he's going to give you the keys to the world. I'm not saying that. If you are, remember me. I mean, if you could, I would appreciate that. But but, but I think that the message from today is, is that it's, it's perseverance. You know, last week was legacy of what Joseph was going to leave, that he changed the direction. His family was just was messed up and he could have continued with a messed up family of his own. Um, but the legacy that Joseph left was different than his family. There, no, in my house, when it, I, I'm going to live by integrity and I'm going to live with honor and I'm going to be fearful of God and I'm going to love my dad and I'm going to do what I have to do and protect that. that that's, that's, you look at Joseph's life and, and he was just a man of integrity and it was just a different legacy that we had seen previously within his household. And today I look at Joseph and I look at the perseverance of Joseph. And the fact that he, he realized that just because God has given you a plan and given you a vision doesn't mean tomorrow that vision is going to come true. Okay, sometimes we have to work and we have to persevere through whatever circumstance that God has allowed us to be in to be able to move to the next step. I know some of you are married and, and through marriages there's, there's ups and downs. You know, There's times that are very tight. There's times where emotionally you're not on the same page. Um, but through those ups and downs, if you continue and you persevere, man, there's, there's just great depth and great understanding and great love that you have for each other that, that you never would have gotten if everything was up here. You know, because, well, I just wake up and, you know, there's two eggs and coffee and biscuits on the table every morning, you know, and I just go to work and make $400,000, you know, and I just go, I mean, everything is here. Well, there's no struggles in your life and, well, I just take everything for granted. I don't have to work. Well, no, but... But through life, man, I, we've gone through times like this and to where the point where Christine and I look at each other and go, man, I know if nothing else in the world that, that she's got my back. Why? Because she's been there. And we've been through those struggles together. And you guys that have been married too, that you understand, man, those, those are the times where you find out where you're at. And man, I, I, that's awesome. And then when you, you really get to enjoy these times as well. The same thing happens with your relationship with the Lord is, is when you're... You're sold and you get point into these points of, of, of lowness and, and down times. But you remember that God is still with you. That I still have hope. That tomorrow when I wake up, I may still be here, but I have hope to knowing that God has got a plan. That God is going to continue to work in my life. Well, that's what continues to make me. And I get up and you do your devotion. You get in the Word of God and, and you spend some time with God and you talk to God and you pray to God. You express those things. I think Joseph had a very open relationship conversational-wise with God. I think there were times where Joseph was just sitting there and he was probably crying, you know. He was probably tearing up. I think that Joseph sat there and probably there was times where he was mad at God and he was angry. I think there's times where Joseph was just absolutely scared to death. And he expressed those feelings to God. And he, he went to the Lord and he gave those to him. And I think that that's fine. I think it's a point where God knows it anyway, so you might as well tell him. It's a point he knows everything that's inside of you. You might as well get that out. Talk to God about it. 
If you're frustrated or you're nervous or you're scared, that's the whole point of, of being able to, you know, when, when Jesus died, that the, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom so we have open access to the, come to the throne of God. That through the blood of Jesus, I have access to come before God and I can sit there and I can humble myself before him and go, God, I don't know what's going on. Man, my wife and my kids are looking at me trying to make a decision here and I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know. But I know you do. And I know that you have a plan for our family and our lives. So God, I'm coming before you right now. Maybe you've been gone for a while and you're like, man, I haven't talked to God in days. I haven't talked to God in years. Well, do it today. Do it now. Tune me out. Go talk to God. I don't care. Go get right with the Lord and get back on your journey with God so that when you read verses like this and he says, but God was with him. And you get to fill in your name there. I get to fill in my name to know that God is with me right now. Kevin, but you don't know what what I've done. You don't know what's happened in my life. Well, I I don't care what's happened in your life. I know that I, if I sin and I come before God and I I mean it and I repent to it, God is so wonderful that he's going to forgive me of that. I don't care if you've been sold. I don't care if you've been imprisoned. And I don't care if you've... You've been forgotten by what you think what God has forgotten you. What I care about today is that you get right with the Lord and that you continue the perseverance of your life to be able to to rise up and to be able to do more for God than you thought that you ever could before. So when you have those opportunities to stand before Pharaoh or before your boss or before your family or before your friends, that the mentioning of God, they just know it. Oh, here comes Kevin. It's going to be about God again today. You're, You're right. I'm going to mention God. And I don't care. Because why? Because I know that he's the one that's, that's going to be behind me. He's the one that's going to provide for me. And I'm not, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not leaving God. If you want to sell me, you want to try to kill me and all this, then fine. I don't care. But I'm not turning my back on God. Because he won't turn his back on me. And so that's the, the word this week for you guys. Last week was legacy, thinking about that. Your word this week is for you guys is Persevere. How will I continue to persevere this week? What is the obstacles that I have in my way, the things that I've got to overcome? I'm going to persevere for the, through those things. Just like Joseph did, and, 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 and be able to carry on and continue to grow in my faith with God and continue my trust in God. Are you guys willing to persevere? Again, Christianity is an action word. Be active this week. Be active in what your calling is for God. Amen? Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your... God, I thank you for your faithfulness and just your love and your mercy. God, I just continue to pray for, for us, for these saints in this room, Lord. And um, God, I, I don't know where everybody is at this morning in their walk with you. Lord, you do. I don't know where I am in my walk with you, Lord, but... I just pray, God, that you would just put inside of us just a desire, just a thirst that would only be quenched by you. God, that we would be humble to get on our knees and cry out to you and to reach out to you and to trust in you, Lord. God, continue to use this church and to use these sheep in this room. Father, we love you. You have all that we have, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.